of the pub outside and we sat there and said got absolutely what shit faced and then uh, never made it to the tour of the factory because but there's literally a pub outside sat in Bundaberg you're thinking well you can see it being made or just drink it in the pub next door so yeah we never actually got inside but was, I saw the factory yeah okay I guess it's a bit like going up to Scotland and going through the distilleries yeah I love that as well. Was in Edinburgh. There's a, they have the thing called the distillery tap. Okay. Right. I had a, a flat in Edinburgh, and it was outside the. Um, oh, it must have been. I think it was a Scottish brewery. It was in Edinburgh. I think it's called the Scottish brewery, and the little pub was called the distillery tap. And I didn't realise this is a thing, but outside every brewery, they have a tap, and a tap is where they test all the, the beers they make. So the idea is, you go into that pub. And on the bar, they'll have all the like the new beers they just tried, and so they test them out on you, the punter. And so it's a lot cheaper than going to the pub. And if it works, you get like you get feedback and shit. Huh. And it doesn't really, because I say it wasn't that weak, but it is still cheaper than going say to the because it's just because it was literally right as next door to the the just, uh, the brewery. And all these breweries have what they call a tap. They usually call the pub called a tap or distillery tap. And that's what they're that's where it's from it's usually it's right next door to the the brewery and it's when they make the stuff they roll it straight out and stick up the bar and go what do you think do you like it and it used to be free whereas the stuff they've already done is full price the, the it kind of reminds me of when uh i i decided that i'd try and make try and brew my own beer when i'm like <laughs> i don't know 18 or something and so I went down to Boots and bought like um, one of these, you know, those kits that you get for like a five thing. And it comes to this tub that's like yay big and it makes like 30 gallons of beer or something fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And just trying to find something big enough to cook or boil it up or whatever. Then you've yeah, got to get yeah. enough bottles to bottle it. And then you you leave it in the airing cupboard because it has to be at a yeah, certain yeah. temperature. And you've got to leave it for like oh, I can't remember how long. It's like two months or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all this beer that you can't drink, and you've got so much of it, it's just taking up all this space. <laughs> so and I think it was like probably you and I having a tasting session about two weeks in because we got bored and yeah. drinking this beer that's like really not meant to be drunk and you just I, I kind of often joke that I wear glasses and have no children because I made homebrew and become <laughs> impotent <laughs> and blind through that well, that's it, it yeah it hasn't really moved on because I do it now and I've literally this actually has worked out slightly wrong because next weekend I would have 40 pints of my legs 11 ready to Ooh. go it currently is in its uh, second fermentation period Mm. yeah of course I, I remember having the beer last time around yeah i had to remind you obviously mm. yes i mean of course i don't remember drinking yeah, it that is the effect of it but yeah. um yeah i tried the cider this is my uh, i tried the one before was a cider okay what has moved on since then uh for christmas i got what they call a hydrometer Oh, okay, for testing the alcohol technical, content. Technical shit now, yeah. So basically you take a reading of the gravity when you start, you take a reading two weeks later. And what I've been doing, basically, is it, it, you, you stick it in this massive big barrel, 
and then you check it. And when the bubble stock comes to the top, which is usually about two weeks, that's when it's ready to boil. Unless you've got hydrometer, you can take a proper reading. And when it goes back to like 1.0 or something, you can bottle it. So, of course, I thought, ah, you don't need that shit, do you? Remember we did it in your area and just drank it before we bottled it. So I've just been looking at the thing, lifting the lid and going, uh, has that stopped bubbling? But obviously, being a bit heavy-handed, I'd often wobble the barrel as I opened the thing. So I thought, is it bubbling because I've shook it around a bit? Or is it bubbling because it's not ready to go? Ah, oh, fuck it, I stick in the barrel. I stick in the bottles, it'll be fine. And uh, this last lot I did with the hydrometer tasted so much better than my previous nine attempts. Probably because it's science is telling me now it's ready to go. I suppose to be going, oh, I can't be asked anymore, let's fucking stick it in. Yeah, yeah, okay. It also gives you a reading. And what I was quite interested to know was on the like on the side of the, the thing, it says if you do it correctly, it'll make you a, a, an alcoholic percentage of about four to four and a half percent. I measured my cider at six point three percent. Wow, using the hydrometer. Yeah. Which does explain a lot. Yes. Cause I could rarely get past about four bottles of an evening before like just Balling over and going, oh, I don't ever want to drink again. This is fear. But it's only 4%. What are you on about? It's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think uh, possibly as well when you're down here, that probably would have been probably up towards 6% as well. Okay. The, the other thing I remember from my from from my um, brewing experience, which didn't last long, I decided it was easiest to pay Johnny Miller than <laughs> to do it myself, was... Um, Oh, God. You, it's all about um, sterilization, uh, yeah. not just of sperm, but of like all the bottles and even like the fucking bottle caps that you put yeah. on the bottles. If yeah. it's not, there's a lot like, of cleaning. There's a lot of cleaning. And I remember, uh, I think some of the beer had this sort of um, sweet, almost acidic, kind of appley taste. I'm like, oh yeah, that's you know, that's my style. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> and, and... Signature note putting straight through right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it appley on, on the nose. That's what it's meant to be. Um, and I, I later learned that that's just all the bacteria. Yeah, that's that's causing um, that. Yeah, mold and infection. Y yes. I, realized, I told you we had the um, the explosion. I don't know if that's happened since you were here because obviously uh, you got the same thing because I started off with the, you know, these little plastic bottles and they were screw tops uh, right. but I never really got on with them because like it's just not the same coming out of a plastic bottle so I looked into like getting these uh, like glass bottles but they're like really fucking ridiculously expensive and I thought well I buy like ale from the shop in bottles surely you could just use them so I like went on to now I've got the internet of course with it. I remember this guy was like saying, Why the fuck would you buy an empty beer bottle? Makes sense. So you buy the beer, and then when you drink the beer, you've got a nice drink of beer, and you've got a bottle that you can use for brewing later. And I thought, That's my guy. So, yeah, yeah so I've never been equally so now. <laughs> I've been religiously saving every single bottle I get because I need 40. And uh, then I lost count somewhere along the way. So I think I've got about 70 now. There's about another 30 in the shed. Because <laughs> I've got, I was like, don't fucking throw them away. Do you know how long it took me to save up those 40 bottles? But now, um, 
So yeah, we've now got 40 bottles uh, brewing away. But yeah, it's like, it's the cleaning. And I was going to say, that was the, the explosion. So I sat here watching the telly. And because we were like quite near the road, I heard it's like, <laughs> like there's like a, like a rocket shot. And then like this smashing glass. But it sounded like it was in the house. It sounded like somebody had like threw a brick through the window. And then it was like, had climbed in. So I looked at Rachel and she wasn't going anywhere. So I thought, right, fuck it, I'll do this. So I've searched every room in the house. I can see there's no there's no broken glass anywhere, no windows open, nothing, no sign of entry, anything at all. And I was just like, hmm, that was weird. Didn't think anything of it. About two, three days later, I went to check my see my lovely beers, beers coming along. And uh, there was like just all this, <laughs> I was opening the door. Like this, this liquid's kind of seeped out of the cupboard. Golden liquid. I thought, oh, that's weird. One must have leaked. And I noticed it's all just like smashed the glass. And basically one bottle had exploded and I just went <laughs> shot up. And that was the noise. It was the explosion. And then the shattering glass, one shattered. And I'm thinking, fuck, we were so close, like a domino effect. If that cap had gone off to the one next to it, it's like, but yeah, just one. That's all the time I'm doing it. I've had one explosion, um, and and also have quite a few. When you open them, uh, you never know if it's going to like just go beautiful or <laughs> just one in the fucking uh, Levon's twenty four. Oh fuck off! Does he do it? And, you know, but it's, it's again like if you lovingly created this pint of beer for so fucking long, and you get it, and it's just like, well, like that much left. And the rest is just foaming head. You think, ah. Oh, <laughs> right off. So I've had a few of them, and that again, that is uh, bacteria and overcarbonation. Apparently, the air gets in when you put the when you bottle it. You get too okay. much air in your bottle, and then the sugar reacts too violently with the yeast. So it's like a little ticking time bomb, just waiting to go. Going, open the cap, open the cap. It will show him, and it's always like you, you, the three or four. So six percent by the third one. I'm thinking like, oh, I've one more, and that's always the one. And you kind of go. Kush! Oh, I don't want to do this. Now, if it's the first one, I'd be like, all oh, right, that's fine. That's cool. I can handle that. Just uh, I'll get a mop and I'll clean this up. By the fourth or fifth one, it goes, I feel like, oh, I'll wait till the morning. <sighs> okay, so this is Russian roulette via beer. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. And it's quite funny because like, everyone's really interested. And they go, oh, yeah, give me some. I'm thinking, um, right. So I'll, always, I'll select the ones by looking at them and going, that looks like, because obviously when they're clear, they're good to go. So there's all these little things, and, and when when it goes from the barrel into the bottles, you're then supposed to leave them. You're supposed to leave them in a, a cool, dry place for two days, and then shift them to their final resting place. Well, their final resting place is a cool, dry place, so I don't think I have to. So I'll just miss that step out. It's one of these optional steps. I found that a lot with brew making. There's lots of optional. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can if you follow. If you're a rule follower, but we're mavericks. <laughs> you know, first off, like, we make the rules. I think you'll find. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's like yeah, I don't think I need to do that. So again, there's. But I have learned as I've made. That's my eleventh, my eleventh brew. Uh, each time I've learned to not do the the things that I'm not getting the right results. So maybe it's if I don't do that thing that I was ignoring. Maybe I'll try doing that and see how that works. Yeah, maybe I'll that. try and sterilise the bottles. <laughs> oh, the sterilisation! Literally, like I've now got forty glass bottles, 
and like I said, it's like a storage problem. Like where the fuck do they go? Because they're actually quite big, and there's not a lot of space for it. Alongside a forty pint fucking barrel of beer, which is like doing fermentation, which also has to go somewhere, and apparently it's got to be in the right temperature, and it can't be fluctuating temperatures. We live in fucking England, especially <laughs> it's springtime. They've noticed the weather reports on that side of the world, but last week it was Easter weekend and we had uh, 27 degrees. Holy shit. Yeah, in the sort of second week of April, 27 degrees. Today it's probably about 12 and it's pissing down the rain. We went to, you remember um, Burn on the Water? Do not go to Burn on the Water? It's got the Muddle Village. Yeah, is that. Is it? Is that like in the Cotswolds? And it's just a. It's just like a um, a sewage canal running through a through a yeah. through the middle. Of the town. It's a big river. Yeah, it's a big yeah. river goes through the middle. Of it. It's about deep. And for the first time ever in my life, actually, this weekend I went there. Just got back from it, and went paddling for the first time in that river because it was so fucking hot. It's like it's always been sun's out, so everyone goes, "Hey, let's go to burn. Let's go paddle in the water." You go, "It's going to be freezing cold, dickheads." But this weekend was the first time it actually was. Do you know what? I'm actually going to dive in there because it's so fucking hot. But it's the second week in April. And all the, all the weather are going, hey, guys, don't, you know, don't get too excited. Summer's not here. It's going to get really cold. And there's snow apparently on the way. And you go, yeah, right, fuck off. Have you not seen the weather? And then look at them now. Yeah, it's bloody freezing. So when you're trying to do this, like, brewing, and they go, remember, don't put in a fluctuating temperature environment. <laughs> Maybe don't sell it in England then, because uh, we don't have like that. Scorchio and a winter, not quite so Scorchio. It's like we have fluctuating temperatures. So yeah, it's, it's doomed to fail off in the beginning. But that was the old the idea that the 70s thing was the airing cupboard, because that was a, a constant temperature. But now I've seen something that that's way too hot, and you should never put anyone in near your airing cupboard, because beer doesn't need like warm temperature, it needs cold temperature to ferment. So, so I think, we didn't know anything back in those how did no. we ever survive everything? Everything we knew was absolute bullshit. Absolutely I, I, was, I was kind of thinking about that actually uh, yesterday and in, in sort of in light of the, of the um, inaugural Talking the Pissed um, podcast was it's like the email thread that you started um, a little bit ago saying, ah, are kids better off these days with the internet or not? Because I think it, yeah. in a way it changes the way that you learn stuff. Like you don't have to remember stuff by rote because you just go fucking mm. go look it up. So maybe mm. now the skill is more about how to look up, like getting your getting your Google feel yeah, on, yeah, yeah. rather than just remembering stuff in textbooks. Then you're limited to either the book that you've read or stories you've been told and how as kids we grew up with all these urban myths that are treated as gospel and you just yeah. go around being so ignorant because you're believing these things like and the thing that popped in my mind was uh, yeah I, I grew up believing that the great wall of china is the only man-made object visible <laughs> from space which is a complete crock of shit. Yeah, and, clearly. And if you think about it, like Google Maps has proved that to be right. It's like, let's go look for the Great Wall of China. Yeah. I'm fucking uh, going to see a wall. 
it's, it's a great wall, I'm sure it is, but it's still a wall. Yeah, it's a fantastic wall. <laughs> and, like, and, I know you've been there, but as far as I know, it's not bigger than my house, and you can't see my house from space. So, <laughs> yeah. So apparently, that propagated from. Um, uh, it's just a quip that a a journalist wrote like whenever and then yeah. people read it interpreted that as oh my god look you can see this from space um that he wrote it in like the 60s or 70s or something and yeah it's completely false but it's one of these urban myths that just propagated and people so believed you, it do you get um qi over there mm. have, you, have you seen it when you've been over here Stephen Fry and it's and basically that's what it is it's like they have questions and they ask you a question like say what's the only man-made thing you can see from space and of course if they say that lights go off and they, they lose 20 points so everyone's going it's um oh it's the great one of China of course it's not you fucking idiot and they explain the story behind why you think it's true and but that's it's basically dispelling myths all these things that everyone knows to be true and so the question is, okay, what's it? And it's the obvious answer. And you're sitting there going, and like you'll sit in the in the room, in the house watching you going, oh, I know the answer to this one. It's blah, blah. And then they'll say that and you go, oh, fuck right off. And it's literally every week just tells you everything you know is shit. The worst or the best, I got this fact, which I still know, because I forget I watched and it debunked it. But it's such an amazing fact. I want it to be true. <coughs> right. you got statues, yeah? Okay. And it's always dead people on a statue and on a horse okay okay if that person is on the horse and all four feet are on the floor that person died of natural causes like so king such and such didn't go any battles he died on his deathbed age 99 everyone's happy if the horse is uh has one foot off the ground but the other three so it's just like and that thing and then popping up that person died of uh, wounds sustained in battle and if the horse is rearing up on two legs the person died on the battlefield i had that as absolute down pat that's right that's exactly why you would choose to do it so all these kings and it kind of stacked up a, a few of them uh, yeah he's definitely died that king george blah, blah, he died in the battle of such and such that's why he's got the, the rearing up horse. And I have been like, we know really, like you said, I've got a good fact. I've got a good fact. Everyone goes, that's an amazing fact. I imagine has then told someone else, I've got an amazing fact, new statue, blah, blah, blah. So I was watching this, and then they went, uh, um, so, and the question was, oh, um, if you see, then they showed the statue of the horse rising up, what does that mean? And they, they were like, and the guy was like, again, like me, he would have gone comfortably. Uh, two, two, that's, he died in battle. Uh, he died in battle. Yeah absolutely nothing it doesn't matter at all it's just basically the artist who makes the sculpture decides a should he be on a horse and if he's on a horse how should the horse be what horses do horses either stand or sometimes they trot a bit and they put one foot up and look when they're really angry they rear up and if you're really good you can do the rearing up thing and you'll put your man on the back of the rearing up horse and that really is it yeah bears no relation to that person's life whatsoever but i still prefer my idea so i'm going to keep saying it <laughs> and and that that's that's you know that just um solidifies the point doesn't it that it that yeah 
And the same thing with the Great Wall of China, because I know that that's that fact about it can be seen for space. Yeah. So I know that's hard to tell the that for definite. He's going to know it. But of course, now he'll go, hang on. It's not true. You know, oh. that's the thing now, because he's got this little phone in his pocket, that everything you say. Yeah. Where pretty much most of what I say is just made up on the spot, but it sounds convincing. And that's what I always say, but if you can sound convincing, then you've won the argument, so it's fine. Now, suddenly, I remember um, years, we were, uh, we were with, I remember Joe's brother John, Henry's children John. Yeah. Henry's children John. He was out, and there was me, Joe, and his brother, little brother Joe, and our mate Jim. And we were doing something, and I went, oh, you're like the Three Musketeers. And he went, yeah. And we said, oh, so if we're the Three Musketeers, which one would be which? And he went, you're, uh, I think got as far as D'Artagnan. And then he went, <laughs> and he ran out. And he went, and, um, so you would be, uh, and we all, there's the four of us, just like pissed in the pub going, fuck. And I'm like, Dog Tanyan. <laughs> and I got stuck on that. I guess like, Dog Tanyan, but no, he's not, a, he's not a musketeer. And I was like, he is, he's Dog Tanyan, he's a musketeer. And it took about 20 minutes to go, no, he's a musket hound. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, don't tell you hound. But what are the other musket hounds? That might give us a clue. And what we did was, because we all had phones in our pockets, and probably had 3G at that point, so we could have actually, and that's why I said, that's what John was saying. The sad thing is, we could all now reach into our pockets and just go, oh, I mean, D'Artagnan, I think it's Aramis. Porth, yeah, um, Portos, Aramis, Portos, and... Uh, It might come to me, the third one. Are you sure D'Artagnan's not the other one? No, because he's the Padawan. No, you've lost me. So Is that in Star Wars? Yeah. Is it Padawan in Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the so trainee. This is what our kids are going to miss out on the new generation. They're going to miss all these like crossed conversations. We're going to go, lightly remembered stuff about something. And then some guys go, no, it says here that it's blah, 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 blah. Well, that's true right that's true you're just gonna cut directly to the facts and miss all the entertainment so um uh, was it who who wrote uh is it it's not jules verne that wrote, the time machine yeah no who wrote um no <laughs> yeah is it not called the Three Musketeers? So I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I, apart from the Muskehounds, Dog Tony and the Muskehounds, that's pretty much my knowledge of the Three Musketeers. Other than they wore big floppy hats, and it, but I don't think I've ever actually read the book or seen any films of it. Yeah, no, I know it's gone. It, but uh, yeah, but I hope they'll come back. But I said there's a big thing. Um, Frank Skinner, he's a nice to live by. He said if you if you know it and forgotten it, you can't Google it. If you've never known it. You can Google it because that's learning. Mm. Mm. And I thought that's quite a good way to live your life because then it's you're not reliant. If someone has taught you and it's just something like that, you're now thinking about the, the third musketeer. So you're not allowed to Google that because you, it is in there. And that recall thing, the more you rely on technology, that recall becomes useless. So it's good to go. Oh man, there's a thing today at work we're talking about because uh, um, one of my mates at work is going to Somerset 
and I say it's Somerset, they go to Froome, or Frome, as they call it, because they're from Norwood. <laughs> and so they're going to Somerset, I don't really call it Somerset, I think that's more North Somerset, maybe Avon, but apparently it is. That's when I kind of think, fuck, Somerset's actually quite big. Because Froome yeah. to me is like well north, that's almost like Bristol. Yeah, right, it's almost Wiltshire, right? Well, it is almost Wiltshire. Yeah. She still calls it Somerset, I'm sure Froome doesn't go, I'm sure. But then that's my yeah. that, that local knowledge and geography of thinking, I never needed to know where the boundaries ended. So I don't know, I knew like my bit, Glastonbury and the mid Somerset bit, when it spreads out, I go, it goes quite a long way. It goes all the way to the sea. And not as far as Bristol, no, but then it might sort of snake around it a bit as well. So I remember there was a, um, uh, if it, uh, uh, is it, not snake, there's a thing, Spark, Spork, Spork, there's a website, Spork. Something like that, and it's just like a load of um, quizzes, and I've got Louis doing them because they're really good. Get thirty seconds to name, uh, and they'd be like, I don't know, twenty, the twenty highest goal scorers in Premier League the last twenty years. Oh go. wow! Okay, You've got to type in all his names. I mean, you get one right, it goes ding, 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 and it stops. So it's it's like a really easy question, but then we got a little thing to come away. And I did one. It gave you a map of England, and it said fill in the counties. When you type them in, they like tick off and they go and they colour them in. And so you get like, well, first of all, so Somerset, and you go, fuck hell, Somerset's really big. Oh shit, I'm getting confused, I've got the time ticking off. And you have like one minute, no seconds, the name, I think there's 34 of England. Uh, yeah, do you know, I was having a, uh, I remember having this conversation years ago, and this would have been, oh, fucking hell. You know, now when you think years ago, and it's like, oh, 15, 20 years ago yeah yeah time's ticking on but i was having this conversation about as as poms do we know more could you name more american states or british counties yes. um, well i can tell you sporkle that's it s-p-o-r-c-l-e sporkle.com okay. i think it is and it's just literally like you could make a quiz and upload it ah, so cool. every time it's just like it's kind of like a, just a growing database um, but if you can think it, you can do it. And so then you sort of, it's like a local, you've got 10 minutes to spare. You can go on and just do like, say, three quizzes. But it's yourself. And one of the ones that got me to the the UK one was someone to put like the American, 50 states of America. And I thought, well, I'll have a go. And I think I got like 48, uh, 51 uh, in the positions. And then from that, someone, some British guy's gone, oh, fucking Americans. All right then. See how many, uh, and then I went, oh, yeah, that's good. That's it. And I've got like fucking nine, <laughs> ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I might I do travel through this place. I've seen maps of the world, but like I said, you don't really ever care. Like I said, we, I drive down from the West Midlands to Somerset to go home. I don't count off the counties I go across through it. I don't know, was it probably Wiltshire? Uh, West Midlands, Warwickshire. Wiltshire, presumably, Gloucestershire, uh, yeah, North Somerset, which is what Avon was, but it's Avon, that, yeah. that, like Avon, yeah, we only come to Somerset, you can't come to Somerset, we'll call ourselves North Somerset, you can, but you're not fucking coming to us, you can, you can call yourself what you want, but you're not fucking Somerset, so now you go like, you go, you're now leaving Somerset and entering North Somerset, and it always makes me smile when you get you travelling north, and I think, if you're going south, wouldn't that be south? <laughs> That's weird, is it? 
if you're going north, I don't, surely the other way around it should reverse because I'm going, I'm going north the other way. It always makes left because obviously that's nonsensical because that doesn't move. I'm moving, but if I'm driving, because normally by that point, all my passengers are asleep. So you're just driving and thinking, okay, yeah, I always think that should be the other way around because we're going the opposite way. So thank you for that. Now, whenever I do that, I'm going to be thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going south. It should be south, that's it. Because that's the bit I get first. So where is West Midlands an actual county, is it? West Midlands is a county, yes. West Midlands covers um, the city of Birmingham and... And that's it. A bit round the outside of it because uh, Solihull is in West Midlands as okay. well. But then just a little bit north of Solihull, you're into Warwickshire. Hmm. And so real like Silhidians would say, oh, we're, we're from Warwickshire. Actually, <laughs> it's really Warwickshire, not West, because that's a bit like, hmm. there's a lot of shit in the West Midlands. And Unfortunately for Solihull, it's just not quite north enough to be Warwickshire. Hmm. And we're literally talking like a mile. If it is, if they put the border a mile south, then Solihull would be in Warwickshire, which sounds much nicer. <laughs> but then you probably get higher council tax, so you're probably better where you are. Yeah, well, like, but then Solihull has the... I do remember, I loved when I first moved to, to Brum. Like in Sutton, when you first get to the Royal Borough of Sutton, which uh, is sounds more fancy than it is. Solihull was is as fancy as it doesn't sound. Yeah, okay. yeah. So Royal Borough of because uh, they're both boroughs, but the, it's Sutton Colford is the Royal Borough because you've got the Royal Park and the King um, stayed in the three tons where we were drinking. So that's the Royal Three Tons, and so he granted the park royal status, which meant the whole borough is a Royal Borough of Sutton Colford. The borough of Solihull, he didn't get that far, so it's not a royal borough. However, Solihull is far grander than Sutton Colfield. Hmm. But it doesn't sound as nice as Sutton Colford. But I do remember when I was living in Sutton, I used to drive north and through Solihull, and where the sign on the road said Solihull, someone had put the two little lines through for the dollar sign. Solihull, uh, clever. Victoria, yeah, yeah, the ka-ching, ka-ching, and... Uh, so yeah, now I've made it because I live here now. So, and no more thoughts about moving. Um, no, we are still looking. I mean, the, the plan we had was we were going to do it. Uh, instead, we were going to like do this place because it could do with like a bit of a tar up here and there. So I had a long list of things that I need to sort of get onto, like decorating this and fixing that bit there and finishing that bit off. But every room isn't quite finished because I always like to leave a project open. Yeah, well, you, you need something to come back to, right? Exactly. And because I'm not a builder, I'm not a project manager. So I don't want to like, say that signed off approved, move on to the next one, because also you get another job. So if I go, well, I haven't quite finished the dining room yet. Like here, this was the, where I'm sitting now, this is the garage that was converted. So we had the builders in who did all the brickwork and shit and put the walls, windows in, and the plasterers did it. And I did the floor. So I laid the floor down like this, lovely sort of um, parquet laminate flooring thing. And I can look over there now and see that where we've got the, the floor goes up to the French window. Yeah. So you leave an expansion gap so that it can sort of, you know, fill the gap and come back again. But then you put a little lip over it, like a rubber lip over the top of it, so you don't see the, the gaps. 
yeah, that's still there. That's got to be done. Oh, that's that's a rainy day job. Exactly. Um, and like I said, because we live in England, we don't get that many rainy days. So that's going to be kind of stuck. And yeah, it's a bit like, so like every room has those little things. So I've got a long list. We thought, well, actually, if we're not going to move house. We should like make this, like, we should do those little jobs, <laughs> which we haven't done yet. By we, you mean I. And now we keep saying, how's it going? George, we you move. Let's forget. Someone else do this job. This is like a project for someone to move into. It's pretty much done. All you've got to do is just do the finishing touches and say, you did it yourself. Well, but isn't that also why you have children? Well, yeah. I mean, Louis is 13. His dad's a plumber. So I'm hoping he's going to inherit some kind of tradesman gene. That's all. Are we on the Cronenbergs now? Well, this is, uh, it looks like it, doesn't it? Hmm. But what we're actually on is Ooh. okay. Uh, let's see, it's eighteen ninety-seven, which which is yeah, yeah, it is Brasserie eighteen ninety-seven. Do you have Audi in Australia? Not sure. Maybe. Um, I don't know if you, there's like a. There were Germans, Aldi and Lidl. And again, this is another great myth, Aldi and Lidl, because they're both German, like, cut price um, German supermarkets. And they, they, they branched across, they like, marched across Europe, like the Germans did before. <laughs> but this time, by opening shops. <laughs> oh, bit of politics. So, yeah, they opening up shops and they came across. And then I remember... Um, they were like, <laughs> I remember being in, uh, back home in Somerset because remember, like Chris, my oldest brother, is married to Christine, who's German, and so she knew all about the Lidls, and she used to go to Germany and bring back these steaks in a box. There were steaks in a box, and that just blew his minds. We're like, that's obviously shit. And then she brought them home, and we had them for tea, and they were like, just the most amazing steak you've ever had in your life. But they're in a cardboard box. That's weird. <laughs> They finally made it, to, and like Aldi and Lidl, um, oh yeah, the thing about the myth was it was two brothers, and they they fell they fell out. So one they were called Aldi, Aldi something blah 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 blah, and the other one because Lidl is almost and and that's where it falls down because it's almost an anagram of Aldi but not quite, and so the other brother called it like Lidl, which sounds a bit like Aldi but it's not. And as you sort of if you now Google it on the internet, you're going to go. It doesn't even make sense. It's it's not like it hasn't just jumbled up the letters and made up a different company. There's, they're, they're totally different letters. That <laughs> doesn't even work. The more you think about it, it doesn't work. How oh, a little is not an anagram because there's no A in that one, and there's two L's in that one. It's L L I, and apparently it's just two separate companies in Germany, and there's no. They were like complete. Like one was in like north of Scotland, and one was in Cornwall. And then they'd be like that. That's how they were. And they just swept across Europe. And they went, oh, yeah, it was two brothers. Yeah, two brothers, they fell out of their, their marketing plan. So he's well on his own in competition. They're in competition because they do the same job and they're from the same country. That's it. <laughs> but again, that's a myth because it's still over. But yeah, so the Aldi, and they have these things like this. Um, and it's, I've watched a documentary about them because basically it's like really cut price. But it, it's just amazing. Uh, like the stuff is brilliant. But like they will sell you Cronenberg, um, but it's not Cronenberg. It's sixteen sixty four. It's Brasserie eighteen ninety seven. 
but the design is absolutely identical, but they just changed the letters. If you look really quickly, you go, man, that's really cheap, Cronenberg. And then you put it in your chocolate, you get to the deal, you go, it's not fucking Cronenberg. <laughs> but it does, but the thing is, the, the test is it tastes absolutely amazing. That's why you go back to it, because it actually, I just, and they've got like um, a Budweiser, like cans of Bud, but it's called like uh, Build Waster or something like that. But it's done the same font. It looks identical. They have um, I remember the first time going in there because like I always thought I'm not going in there because like it's it's just like the the street thing. And then the center aisle, they have specials, which could be a cement mixer, laminator, garden stuff, uh, fishing rods. It's like or weightlifting shit. There's a center aisle. It's just like just random stuff that they've also got like a team of buyers. You have to go and buy cornflakes and beer and stuff, and they go, oh, while I was down the shop. I've got a bit of a deal on some mixes. Interested? There you go. Stick them in the centre aisle, some will sell them. Some will buy them. <laughs> that, I was speaking to my mum uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she yeah. was saying, oh, I bought myself a new, uh, like, electric chainsaw, so she just trimmed the hedges. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what, is that at B&Q or, or, or something? She's like, no, <laughs> Lidl's. I'm like, yeah, yeah, see, that's it. <laughs> consumer market sells chainsaws. Yeah, because like they Lidl and Aldi, they're in competition. So when they start doing that, so Aldi have got their own range of garden equipment, and they sell it in the shop. So you go for your like your weekly shop, and you're buying your milk and your cheese, and you go, oh, actually, yeah, fucking need a chainsaw. <laughs> and you, that's a great thing because I, I popped in tonight just to get a few beers and shit and some milk and whatever. And the guy in front of me, I always, I'm a, when I go shopping, I love looking at people's trolleys to kind of like gauge their life and see what they come for. Like, oh. Come to email, and this guy in front of me had uh, eight, eight ribeye steaks, <laughs> one garlic, <laughs> eight ribeye steaks, one garlic bread, a bottle of gin, <laughs> and one garden fence panel. And I'm stood behind him in the queue going, oh, I've got to ask. <laughs> Why one panel? Is it, is it, is it, did it blow down? And you think, oh, I must get to B&Q. Oh, wow. They do fence panels in Aldi. I oh, came in for some steaks. Might as well get you around here. Might as well get down here. That's going to be a trip to B&Q later on. Oh, it's been there for nine months and all. Oh, the missus will be well pleased when I get back. <laughs> What's that deal? Six. Six steaks and one garlic bread. How does that divide up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids, we got the guy. Oh, a feast tonight, we got a feast. <laughs> Ribeye steak and one slice of garlic bread. <laughs> that would make such a great. Oh. Uh, that would make such a great like TV quiz show thing. Yeah. You, um, at the checkout, you've got to guess like people's lives and the story of like why, why the one fence panel. <laughs> it wasn't even like it's not a full, you know, those half fence panels. It's not like a full eight foot thing. That you, it's like the half ones that you kind of put when you know your neighbours. So you get like the big one at the, the very end by your back door. You yeah. put the little one. You want to talk to them over the. It was a little half one. I think in. I just sort of think, like, because uh, obviously we're very reserved in British, so you don't actually say, hey, what the fuck's that all about? You never do it. 
I'm dying to go. That's as well. What, what I'm more concerned about is why only one garlic bread with eight steaks? That makes no sense. <laughs> he's like, it's half, should be four garlic breads, shouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe he's got seven garlic breads in the freezer and he's put, oh, I need one more. <laughs> and a fence panel. Oh, love you. So yeah, they do all that sort of shit in the middle, and it's just it is incredible the stuff you see people just like ah, oh, it's amazing. But I say I just love that. Like I remember when I first went in, I, was, I saw this like they had the Kellogg's cornflakes, and I, I love a crunchy cornflake, and they were like seventy five p for like the big big massive jumbo box, and I was like they're not wrong about this only place. It's amazing, and I went, oh, hang on, <laughs> Kellogg's. <laughs> Honey nut cornflakes. That's not quite right, but I'll try them. And I say the the, the, it's, the taste is in the, the the test is in the taste. And that, but they're like the number one supermarket in Britain now. Because everyone goes there. Because everyone mocks them and goes, yeah, that fucking shit. And they, well, oh, hang on a second. That's a really good price for Cronenberg. And they go, well, it's not Cronenberg, but uh, it tastes like Cronenberg. So yeah, I think that was like uh, a pack of four, for like two ninety nine. So would that be uh, three, six, six bucks in your language for a pack of four fake Cronenbergs? Oh, that's good. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculously, uh, it's five point something, 5.4%. Yeah, that, that'll but be. But it tastes nice. And you start to question yourself. It's like, well, I'm actually, I'm, and I do like that. It, it's like fake Britain. Because there's a big thing on Telly Hunter, it's like, folk Richard rip off, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this guy, you might know him, he's got bald head, his name's Dominic something or other, and he goes around places. And uh, yeah, he's just like, goes to these factories that are knocking out, like knock off stuff and then selling it for real. Essentially, okay. every day of work, uh, you watch like daytime TV and there's just like, one of those sort of programs, you're going to go, this is shit. Oh. I can't wait to the uh, second half because it's going to be amazing. And so it's one of those things that suck you in because you go, oh, I can't believe the same people. We live with these people. We have a TV show over here called something like The Goggle Box, mm -hmm. which is. Mm. Mm. Do, you have, do you have that? Um, goggle Box. Yeah, we've got it... Goggle Box. You've got Australian Goggle Box, but probably called Goggle Box in your country. But they've now, because they do series and everyone loves it, when it stops, they then switch over to Australian Goggle Box. And now we watch Australians watching your television programs. <laughs> the other one, works with the one where they, you watch people watching telly. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I just, it, it just blows my mind that some TV producer's gone, oh, I've got this great idea. We'll, we'll have a TV show of people, right? Get this, watching TV. So you're you're at home watching TV, watching people watch TV. You know what? I've got up with an idea, and I've got to sell this idea, and this this may be the perfect opportunity to launch it. Gogglebox, right? So you're watching Gogglebox, and I'm going to be in your television, in your house, filming you watching Gogglebox. Right, so you're watching somebody watching somebody watch telly. I'm watching you watching somebody watch telly, and there'll be a guy behind me watching me watching you watching watch. Uh, it just goes on forever. Oh, do you know what? That's actually genius. Yeah, and also 
one of my greatest, this is what Miss Stratton gave to me. He taught me that, uh, let me get this right. It's a digit with a hundred thousand noughts after the number is a Google. Am I right? Which is where Google got its name from. Yeah, I think, I think it might be a million, but it's something like that. Yeah. I thought a million is a Googleplex. Oh, okay. So I think a Google, is, or it could be a million, maybe a million is a Google and a billion is a Googleplex. Oh. So I was thinking, call it Google Goggle Box, and you'd have a million TVs going back from the original people watching the telly. Google Google Box, a million TVs watching one person watch telly. Do you know what? I think that's awesome. I think sometimes I scare myself with my ideas. It's not, I, I, I still think my idea of setting an advertising space on the back of lorries is better, but. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just thinking how we can make that work. You could do a thing on, on do it on YouTube and it's like almost like um, a, a, a chain letter. Yeah, thing it's like a chain thing so you have to log in to watch so like i would watch if you watch whatever you would watch now i'm watching you watch it you're telling me about it and then someone like rachel will be on her phone watching me watching you watch it and then someone next door and he log in and it's the systematic chain of people not actually watching telly what they're like chinese whispers so the original guy is going oh i can't believe he's just done that what's he done, what's he done? Is... so it goes backwards oh man we have got something here already i knew some work I'm liking that now so here's a thing so we're gonna have a million people watching one person watch tv yeah what's the tv show the news do just, yeah do you go for the news do you go for just what's on the thing. tv as well actually watching i watch gogglebox to catch up with things that i've missed because I'm always watching box on Netflix or whatever, so I don't actually watch normal telly. So when I watch Gogglebox, I don't see what I should be watching on normal telly, and also the news, because then you get like, they go, oh, and they'll, they'll show you a thing like what happened in Parliament today, as we go through the whole Brexit thing. So then they'll do that, and I'll, and I'll, they will then see the reactions of the 20 or 30 people they've chosen to watch that show and go, ah, that's what I should be watching. So here's a question for you then. What, what does Louis do? for tv because i guess when we were kids we'd come home from school and then evidently we watched dog tanyan yeah that's what i watched and jossie's giants <laughs> and, and what sorry jossie's giants oh yeah well, Josie's Giants about the uh, some northeast i think it was a professional footballer that retired he took over some really shit football school football team and yeah. like, they won the European cup or something <laughs> Yeah, much like BYFC. Yeah, that's what I think we took our inspiration from, but we didn't have an actual professional footballer to coach us. So, yeah. Oh, we, we could have been great. We had such great ambitions. Do you remember going through the old, those, those shoot magazines to find what our kit was going to be before we actually had like more than me and you with any members of the team? But <laughs> we were working out what colours were going to be. I don't know if we turned up to play Pilton and like, we just had like t-shirts on because no one actually had We played in the school kit. Yeah. But then we realised that no one went to the same school so they didn't have the same shirts. And we played Pilton with like a proper fucking football team. And they had nets and they had linos and we're thinking, 
what's this to kick about? What's going on? Yeah, um, yeah, we had there were spectators and there was like oranges <laughs> at half time and we're like, oh fuck, and we got murdered. <laughs> At the half, like the corner flags were up, and it was like they had proper kit. We just like had whatever we had. I mean, we were like knocked on our own pain's door to go, You're busy for the next couple of hours. And why? Do you want to go and play football in Pilton against a really big thing? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I remember we were like 20 nil down or something like that, and uh, the ref disallowed a goal for offside. But I was playing him on because I was on the floor doing my shoelace up at the time. And the line went, hey, Raph, Raph, he's not offside. He's playing him on. He went, fuck me. I mean, A, yeah, he should be off the pitch. But it's 21-0. I don't think it's going to matter that much. Let's give him a chance. And he tore the goal off. And I went, cheers, Raph. As you'll say, like, oh, I've done you there. Yeah? That disallowed goal, that's going to change things. We're going to go back into this. We got about four, I reckon we had seven goals to slide for our side. And then Roland's going to be, and one point went, don't know what the fuck this offside thing is, but it certainly helps. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> he was my central defensive partner. He was lead, I was leading the line to get him up for our side. And he turned to me and goes, I don't know what the fuck this offside thing is. <laughs> like, that's what, and the, their, their strikers looked at me and went, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was a proper game. <laughs> Friendly against Portsmouth, I believe Portsmouth United were really, really good. Like, probably one of the best teams. That they're thinking we've got a friendly against they used to. Better bring out the big guns. <laughs> <laughs> and then you turn up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're bloody Tom Quarren and Goal. He's only about three foot tall. <laughs> I talked about and Johnny Miller about four and a half at the time, and he was just like streaks ahead. He was the best player on the pitch. Clearly, oh, by far. yeah. I just remember as well, like he he went through like you know you like nutmeg someone by knocking the ball through their legs. He then went under his legs as well. Fuck <laughs> sake, Tony, tackling him. He went under my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think it was like twenty four two, and Johnny would have scored both goals. <laughs> just like uh-huh. and, and I think uh, we ended up we ended up putting uh, Fat Dar in goal just because he was the biggest person. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just by having <laughs> having the fattest kid in goal just reduced the chances of, of the ball. <laughs> well, the thing was, they realised all they got to do is they chip it in the top corner. It ain't going to dive high or low. In fact, it's not going to move. So just kick it as far away from it as you can. <laughs> can I get that one, guys? If they kick it, they have to be. But it worked because I remember we had the um, you remember we had the Cubs out. Uh, tournament we played in Butley and we had the we had the pack of men over there again we had fat dying goal because I remember that was in Butley uh, playing fields and they had like the cones because they were like playing about it was a massive massive tournament there's like about 60 teams playing so you had to like you'd literally play your like your like these groups and then you had to qualify for the next group 
So you play like three games, and then you be like playing straight away, and then uh, yeah. So we put we put Darwin goal because the, the goals were quite small, and he was quite big, <laughs> and it worked. It worked like through the knockout stages until they got really good, and they realised they could just like chip him or hit it low and far away because he's not going to dive. <laughs> Um, he got substituted because he was so shit. And um, Alaric went in goal for the, the Cubs team. Okay. And Alaric was like Bruce Grobbler. Because again, Alaric couldn't play football. But what he could do was like weird people out. And so he was the opposite of Fat Dar, who just didn't, he just stood there in the goal. Like really, really, really big. Whereas Alaric was like really small and spindly. So he was like just like a monkey, just kind of like. Jumping around the place, going, ooh, ooh. it was equally shit, but he was more entertaining. First <laughs> <laughs> strike was like one on one. Like, they put a ball over the top, but he went one on one. It was just him versus Alaric, and he just ran out. Like, the goalkeeper got no angle. So you knew that he came out and just went, <laughs> and then striker missed because he's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Because he was like this, this, this dirty little feral child. <laughs> he looked like and a weasel. Like... <laughs> he was like a polecat in a football kit. <laughs> so, it's like fucking hell. They missed. Bye, like... keeper. Good day, son. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that's funny. So, uh, so actually, hey, I, I, I've got, I've got a question for you. Go on, um, for, for our, for our podcast, considering we're like an hour in. <laughs> 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 we really about, well, we, we've been doing plenty of talking the piss, right? So, I, I went Excuse to see. Um, we have we've got a structure. Sorry, is this, is this a structure where I can see coming in now? Is that? Running order, the following. Well, well, may, maybe we'll have to work on the on the on the structure. I, I was I wasn't really um, holding myself out for any kind of structure, <laughs> but but I did have a question that I thought would be um, interesting uh, around. So I went to see um, Little Stephen on Thursday night, mm. which is which is really good, and he's probably I guess he's better known these days for playing the the gangster in. In, um... Well, yeah, it's always been a great thing for me because uh, I watched Lily Hammer and The Sopranos that he's like famously in, and then got tried. Like I knew of Bruce Springsteen, I'd heard of him. Yeah, he's, he's, you, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, so you banging up at him a hundred million times. I thought actually, it was about that time. What that been? Like I said, a couple of years ago probably was about 10 years ago now but uh, yeah, so when we're getting into it and listening to Bruce and then like watching the YouTube shows like his foot because I can't say it's live is where he's best so I was watching all the shows and then like I mean it's still from the Sopranos just, just walked in and then I did realize that actually he was like a proper bona fide musician who just he got the Sopranos gig because he was from New Jersey where the Sopranos is based right and he was just like hanging around as guys and the director kind of went oh you could do a job. He was like, what, "Me? What would I do?" And he goes, "Well, just just be you." But like, 
more sort of like from the 19 or like you know, like a mobster like a bit, bit harder he's like oh, okay and that's what he is you watch him talking that's that he is ever like any sort of interviews him as a musician he's just like which is all he did in sopranos and thinking when he realized he was like he's a proper like uh, basically saved the career because that's he just knew how to shape the songs into it and but i know him as an actor who just and then i saw him there, i thought oh he's just like he must like play a bit and bruce has went oh if you're not busy when well, i'm in your neck of the woods do you want to come and do a little, little stint then was actually like the man behind the the whole e street thing yeah right so so i mean the the so the question is how hard how hard is it for um oh my screensaver's just come on <laughs> there we go so how hard is it for for a musician like steve van zandt who's who's more famous for a being an actor and b being for uh, a member of bruce's band mm. to then be his own frontman now if you take slash for example like launching his own mm. solo career slash is just the guitarist from gunners who's now the guitarist for yes. for his own band nothing yeah. changes for him he's still just banging out riffs and still got the top hat on life goes on but then for steve he's going from just being like a guitarist and just someone someone on bruce's stage to now being mm. his own front man but so see this is what this is from uh that was the the bruce Springsteen book that you sent me on one of our these guys sessions yeah which may or may not be legal so does that happen on I've certainly got a copy on my computer that I'm reading. Um, and that's when I kind of got to know that his, his role in, let's say, the Bruce Springsteen bits. I've got up to, I think I'm up to the river. Just just got into the studio to work on the river. So what's that, about 1980, something like that? Something like that, yeah. He's got, he's got big, and then he got big, and he got so big he couldn't record anymore because he had disputes with the like the legal team. So he had to like stop, and, and he got shafted. And then he did, uh, the, what was the big one? Born to Run, wasn't it? As it says, Born to Run. So they did that. It was the one after Born to Run. That's as far as I got. So he had like both the two years where he couldn't do anything because he was in contract disputes. So that's as far as I got with the, the story. Um, so yeah, so what I'm trying to answer the question is what from my understanding of what was, was Stevie was like a, a rival to Bruce growing up. And he was a better front man. And a better player than Bruce was, and so Bruce tried harder to be the fastest guy. Because I didn't also realise just how good a guitarist Bruce Springsteen is. Because I always presumed that he was the same. Because obviously coming into like born in the USA era, yeah, he has a guitar mostly slung around his back, and that cool kind of slings around, does a chord, and slings around again, and goes does the, the that lead singer kind of thing. So to me, I always thought it was just a prop. I didn't realise that like all the licks, and the, the the solos is him on the on the record, and I only realised that like uh, do my recent thing watching all the YouTube videos of the full shows where he is literally he is the lead axe man and the lead singer, 
because I always then thought, okay, so if he's if Stevie's in the band, he's obviously the lead guitarist, but he's not that either. But he's he's that's why I found the hardest to get was like he is clearly a, a singer and a guitarist because obviously Bruce Springsteen tried to be him when he was like on the shore coming through. He was the guy because he's older than him, and he he was the guy who looked up to, him and he was the guy that he wanted he wanted to be Stevie Van Zandt. And when Stevie agreed to be in the East Street, he was like, "Fucking hell, I've got Stevie in my band." And then to be doesn't do anything with him because he just sits and goes, just plays the odd like rhythm beat like, mm, when that stupid fucking bandana. And I thought I've never heard him sing, I've never heard him do a solo. So when you were saying that, he did that little thing, I said we were in the um, Liverpool just last weekend in the cavern. Yeah, 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 all the things on the wall, and his little photo. Apparently, he had just because he loved the Beatles, like everyone did in that time. And so he was just passing through and went to the cavern, and they were like, "Hey, Stevie, do you want to do a set?" And he was like, "Oh, yeah, I right do." And so he just turned up, did a set. They took some photos and the guitar. He signed the guitar, put it on the wall, and there's a little story next to it saying like what he did, and then like he just went did a Beatles set, like via New Jersey. Because that's what musicians do, and that's what I loved about the cabin is people just rock up and go, oh, oh, can I just do 10 minutes? And there's some guy will come and play it, and then they just donate the thing. And I thought that's what I was thinking as well. We're getting away from the question, because I thought we probably would do. But I was sitting there just thinking, because we were watching this, this great guy, um, and he was like doing an acoustic set, and he was there like in the 60s, so he knew, like, well, I was there with Paul. And he was at the bar, and he was the blah, 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 blah. So he's got like every anecdote about why he's playing this song. And then I just thought, wouldn't it be amazing if, like, he just went, actually, if you wouldn't mind, I just like, he was from us, he's in Ireland or maybe India, I'm not sure. But he's like, uh, I'd like to invite uh, my good friend, Paul McCartney. And imagine Paul McCartney just came on to that stage. Well, you just say, like, it was half two in the afternoon, we're in the cabin. And it, like, just imagine if, like, they, uh, who's left now, Ringo and Paul, if one of those two just happened to be in Liverpool, went, but don't pause, there's a chance. <laughs> and just, you'd just be sitting having your pint going, fucking hell, it'd be like, it'd be such an event. And I thought that'd be great if, like, if you are at that level, like, say at Bruce Springsteen, it's just in a bar, having a beer. Come on. So. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen in a bar, I mean, in Portugal, just having a beer, and there's an open mic slot or something, and you kind of go, you know what, fuck it, yeah, go on then. Everyone, keep it still. Let's just, just, just do like a little secret gig. I thought, I'd just love to be that level of almost so famous that you could just turn it around and go, I'm just going to do a low key thing. And if we all keep it secret, right? No one says anything about this, but it's just you and me know we've, we've done this. Let's do that. It would never happen, of course, and that's why I think you get so far taken away from that. But I do think all the musicians sometimes should just go back to their roots, go to like little, little, a little bar somewhere, and just an acoustic guitar, and go, "You may know this one." And then like, like Bono could go up to someone and go, "Yeah, where the streets have no name." Yeah, you know it. Because like the Foo's, the Foo's have their um, alter ego band. The I can't remember the name of the band, but they I think I think like the cat's out of the bag now. Yeah. But they have got their alter ego band name that they do like these little shows 
for. And it's like, oh, we'll go see you know, the Hellcats. And then you go and see the Hellcats, and actually it's the Foo Fighters. Yeah. But rather than a huge stadium, it's, you know, a thousand-people yeah. auditorium. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I remember reading things, well, that's what the, because uh, the Quarrymen, I think well, the Beatles were originally called the Quarrymen, and then there's also another band, Liverpool, called the Quarrymen, so that's why they changed the name to the Beatles, and now the Quarrymen are called the original Quarrymen. And apparently when the, at the high uh, fame, um, Paul McCartney said they should just, Call themselves a quarrymen. They just turn up one night in a like some sort of little bar somewhere. Like I said, that's the exact same thing to say. Oh, tonight we've got the quarrymen, uh, which would mean nothing to anybody outside of Liverpool. And they would just go on and do like just to like say 20, 30 people. And apparently John Lennon said that would work until Ringo did his first sk, 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 because then they would go, Oh, it's the fucking Beatles. Because they were, like they were so well known. That he was saying, like literally, just the way Ringo hits the hi hat is different to everybody else. So as soon as he did that, and then he would open his vote, his voice, or his little bang, 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 they go, oh, it's the Beatles, and it would be kind of That's why that's why they never did it because you couldn't, you can rename yourself all you like. But that's, but that's kind still, of the point, though, isn't it? That you just fly yeah. under the radar. So with the Quarrymen, would they would they play the Beatles songs, or would they play? Well, yeah, I don't think it ever... Well, I suppose... I mean, uh, we're, we're going off into a Beatles tribe here, but I think, like, because the Beatles were, essentially, I think, they were so based in that sort of 50s rock and roll stuff. So... Yeah. And, like, certainly if you listen... Like, I did... It, there's a great um, quote from uh, Billy Connolly, who had said he was on uh, Parky. Remember, Parky was always there, and he was always there, Billy Connolly. He was always the one to watch, because he was just like... And they had Paul McCartney, and he said, I, uh, I'd missed because in the, like the 60s, wherever he was like working with Doc, he didn't listen to any music, but he'd heard the Beatles were, were really big and the Stones were really big. And so the difference was, I looked at your catalogue and you had like six albums, and the Stones were still going at about 40. So I thought, I could probably learn the Beatles in about an hour, two hours. And so I sat there afternoon, I got really drunk, listened to everything you played, and I thought, yeah, it was pretty good. The Stones might have been better, but I haven't got time to listen to all their stuff. <laughs> and that's the thing, like they haven't done that much stuff because they, they, they blew up, were massive, changed the whole world, and then imploded and went out the other end and then fucked off and did all their individual things on their own. Where, like I said, the Stones, who were never quite as big, just kept plugging away, chip, chip, chipping away, and they're still going now ridiculously. Yeah, I think the Stones is one band I'd I'd still like to see live. Yeah, and um, the best thing is you still can. Are they still touring? Yeah, of course they are. Because they're all. That's the amazing now. thing that the fact that they are still going. And I said, what? So uh, two died, I think, but they died like when they were young through overindulgence yeah rock and roll and well there's that only one was it? it was the guitarist um brian jones okay brian jones died uh, that was an overdose then there was mick there was mick taylor who left the band because he knew that if he stayed he would die and he was the one that came back when they played pilton 
and that was the first time he played with them for like 30 years or something because he had he basically um, he was so fucking off his head if he stayed in that band he would have died so he had to leave and that's the one I so then they had Ronnie Woods and all that sort of stuff and so they were just like but what I love is why is uh, they've got that band they're all fucking pissheads apart from Charlie the drummer who is straight as a fucking whistle <clears throat> and I remember I read, a, I read an interview and he was saying basically he, he doesn't like um, Keith Richards and he said well, it's not that I don't like him I've never spoken to him and I'm like how the fuck have you not spoken to him you've been in the band and he went yeah but are you telling me if you go to your work have you spoken to everybody in your work do you like everybody in your work and I thought it was such a weird kind of like he sort of regards it as that's his job and he's, he's, he just works in a very small company with like five or six people or those five or six people are the ones that go on stage there's loads of other people behind that all also part of it and he's put Keith down as like just another member of the Rolling Stones company that puts this stuff out from like publicists and PAs and people to do the food and the caterers he's just the guitarist in the band I'm the drummer in the band and I said, I spoke to a couple times, I've got a thing in common with him, so I didn't speak to him again. And I said, they, they go on a tour bus, and he'd sit at the back, and he'd sit over there, and I was like, because I spoke to him, and he went, we've got a thing in common. And yet they go on stage, and they said, when they're on stage, he does exactly what I want to do. I hit the ding, 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 he hits the beats, we hit the stuff, and we get on fine. But I've got nothing, I don't like him, I don't need to like him, I've got nothing to do with him at all. And he likes to do all the drug stuff, and I don't, so we don't hang out. And I just thought it was, it was such a matter of fact, well, because he's like he's a teetotal, doesn't do any drugs at all. But he he goes on his tours and they go, yeah, the guys would go off. What we call like we put the instruments down, they go off, and I go back. Me and my wife would watch some telly and have a cup of tea, and they'd be off like whoring and fucking drugs. In yeah. <laughs> the morning, we meet up in the studio and go, morning guys, right then, oh, one, two, three, four, <laughs> and off you go. And I thought you're in the wrong job. <laughs> yeah, that's a unique perspective. That's not how fucking uh, rock and roll. I always thought that's how Gift had that same thing. Gift didn't realise that he really should be fucking a rock and roller, and kind of like just he's, he's wasted. His time was wasted. Yes, yes. Because he had we no were... interest in that kind of. Uh... Oh, right. If you could... hello, if you... hello. Yeah, you went there. It went weird. Now you're back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mate, I, I do weird pretty easy. If you could you could take E, E and us and put the three together, it, it would be you know, the next Jagger. We it wasn't even that we grew up in the same place. We were like knocking around together. But I remember when we were doing the crew and the, the first incantations of the crew, I didn't even know that Ian had a guitar. Ha. Huh. And it's only because you had that guitar that Ian had lent you to learn some stuff so you could be in a band, which then I stole. I remember playing, I was trying to play, oh, this came out the other day. I was trying to play, um, you know, get the funk out. Yeah. Like scream, that little, ding, 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 ding. I knew how to do that bit. Because I watched him do it, but we never played them. So you had um, one of those little Helix shutterproof rulers. Okay. And I used that. Because I thought it looks like a spectrum. That's the level we're at. <laughs> and so it turned out I was just like doing that, not realizing how, like, basically hard and indestructible that ruler is, and how 
fragile guitar strings are. <laughs> because I watched those guitarists on the, on the videos, I've seen them like proper smashing, so that must be great. But of course, they've got like proper things that kind of give. When I first touched my very first petrol, I was like, oh, they bend. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's why you can, oh, yeah. And they, they come in all different shapes and sizes. I remember like, I had my first plec. Uh, and that's another thing as well. I called it a plec. I came up to Brum and they all call it picks. Hmm. Yeah, I think. Or even now, if I'm like in a room with a guitar, I say, oh, you've got a, have you got a plec? And they go, do you mean a pick? And I go, no, I mean a plec. It's called a plectrum. It's not called a pictrum, is it? <laughs> that is a good point. So yeah, but I remember having that. So that was my first one. I don't know. I love the fact that I literally we got the we, I bought the guitar off Dan for a pint of Toby, the beef of, <laughs> which was a left-handed guitar that I had to restring. In doing so, I realised that the fucking tuning head was fucked, so I could only get like five of the strings to go back on again the other way around, and then I couldn't tune it because they were all fucking seized together. And yet Dan was a shit art guitarist. And he was getting a great tune out of it. Never saw him play it. And he was really happy to give it away. I thought, yeah, now I understand. But that's what we did our stuff on. And that's why all those chords that I tried to learn with my Burt Weed and Play in the Day book sounded shit was because I couldn't tune the fucking thing. So that's why I thought, well, actually, that's a chord. In fact, that's a bar chord. And if you want to go low, if you want to go higher, I'll just move up one. And I'll come down here. Ah, oh, man. So we got that's That's literally, that, that's how rock and roll is made. It's just like... And our numbered system, which GIF still doesn't understand, but to me it's the most fucking obvious. Genius. Because literally, how many numbers are there? D bro, Googleplex, mate. Infinite. How many letters are there? How many what are there? Letters. Let oh, there you go. At 30. But then, not even that. Let's limit that. Let's just say there's seven. We're going to use seven of them. You could use the entire alphabet for fuck's sake. Why stop it? E or F? Was it F? F, G, G. There's no H. Yeah, so it's G. G. G is the... And then you go, well, we're going to call that one G7. You want to call it H? What the hell? Why make it harder for me? Why have an A flat? What the fuck does that mean? A flat? A sharp? Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. I, J, K. If you had to stick the letters. Personally, I'd go with one... Two, three, four. It and then, like, you go on stage and you go, like, Dave Gilmore's there with Pink Floyd jamming, maybe, I don't know, Prince when he's still alive. And you go, Prince, what key are we in? They go, nine. Got it. Mm, yeah, there we go. I've got nine. I know nine. He goes, oh, we're in like G7 minor. What the fuck's that? <laughs> Don't matter, he's gone. Yeah, I, I could never get. They go, well, it's obvious, right? That you got you got a C, and then this is the same note, but it's an octave higher, but it's the same sound. I'm like, well, of course, it's not the same fucking sound because <laughs> it sounds <laughs> never. This is where mere music theory disappears because, like, you can play like as well, right? So on a guitar, you have what they call open chords, which are not open chords. Right, it's just yeah, strumming. Well, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your basic, your basic open chord is just no, no hands here, and you just strum. That's, an open, that's one chord because it's more than one note played together. And then you put like your fingers there, B and C, and you've got D, so they're open chords. Then you have bar chords where you put the finger bar the whole thing, and then you put those on, and then you do that. 
And I thought, I still think, why? Because I've learned to play songs, right? And you can play it, there's two ways of playing it. You can play it like open chords. So I'd like say, Sweet Child of Mine is C, uh, C, there's a D and an E in it. Or you can bar it, and then it becomes like, it's a, it's a G7 and a D9 and blah, blah, blah. But it sounds the same. But it's a lot fucking harder. So I'm going, oh, why would I do that shit? Well, I can just do the same thing by going, I know them. I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. Why would I go? Oh, I can't really, because then it sounds, because it's like buzzing, because that, that finger doesn't quite, when you do that, you think, yeah, why the fuck would you do that? Why the fuck would you piss? I remember there was um, uh, Osricles. That's the name from the past. Remember Osric Tentacles? Osric Tentacles. Oh, why do I know that name? Again, I couldn't tell you any of their songs, but they had like they had massive dreads, they like the, the white dreads, and they were like proper like hippie stoner fuck things. And they did, they did some sort of like funk jam kind of music and stuff. Okay. And I remember that's when I first got into like playing guitar. I used to go into um, the the local news agents opposite the street in and just read all the books, the magazines on the side, and then the man would go, "Not a library, mate." Uh, yeah. No, no. By which he meant you have to pay for them. And so yeah. I, was, I was reading. But I remember reading this article um, where they had the Osric Tentacles against Joe Satriani. Okay. And they were yeah. doing, they were jamming together, and it was just like it was hilarious because I say basically Osric Tentacles had that same idea. They were they were pretty much were doing the the numbered chord thing where like C we call that three because it's the third letter in the alphabet, and then D is four. And so they had this thing, and I remember this, that was a photo where like Joe Satriani did his most complicated call that he struggles to do, and it's like it involves his thumb and all his fingers, and he also like hammers something here, and the guy from Osrix does does like two fingers, <laughs> he goes, and that really really hurts, that really hurts, and I kind of thought, so you can do that? Look, they they like they, I knew them, they were they were signed to a major label, they were putting out albums, they were doing tours. And they were clearly fucking idiots and had no idea about how to play music at all. But they were doing music that worked. And that, that's what gave me the inspiration for the crew because they were doing stuff that made sense to them and worked. But they didn't know all the F7 minor Ben's crooked hand handover, palming on, hammering off. And fuck that shit. No one needs to know what that's all about. You just need to know. But it has to occur to me maybe why the number system never took off. It's because the drummer goes a one, two, one, two, three, four. So if you're thinking, hang on, A, C, when is the thing? So he might be counting in the chords. Okay, so maybe the drummer just goes an A, B, an A, B, C, D. Oh, that's why I love you. Because as I said that, I thought, you know what he could do? And you've got you there straight away. (laughs) That is why we're so fucking in tune. He went straight out. I thought, he just switched around. He goes A, B, C, D. <laughs> See, genius. And the thing hey. is, it makes sense because he, he never has to count over 26, right? So he's got 26. <laughs> right. But he never goes a one, a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twenty-six. Let's go. He never does that. But a musician always plays more than seven notes. So you're giving the guy, you're giving the guy who never goes above what yeah. one, two, one, two, three, four. That's seven. 
He never counts more than seven times before starting something. You're giving him the numbers, and the guys that play thousands of notes, you're giving them seven letters. Do you <sighs> That's a good point about what, why does the drummer, and, and being a former stick man myself, why does the drummer do a one, a two, a one, two, three, four? Why is it not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? You might as well. You actually, do, you know, like the, the fastest man in the world, he could do 100 meters in the hands. He doesn't go, ready? A one, a two. He goes, get ready, get set, go. Why don't the drummers do that? Get ready, get set, go. <laughs> we definitely do other other experiment just to get like the next Olympics. They should have like there'll be a band doing the Olympics, and the band have to go get ready, get set, go, and the sprinters have to go oh, one. <laughs> Go on the floor, go on the floor. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's see how that works. How does that work? Just, just for an example. Because <laughs> the nature of those is that one, two, what do we, it's just saying, ready, ready, everyone ready? One, two, three. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, it just doesn't, why? One, two. We are literally delving into the, 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 we are opening up the theory of music and basically blowing wide open we, we are we, we are busting it wide open we're pushing boundaries 